You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 100. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelona Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son! Hey! Hey! <laughs> Good timing, you Pontus. There Good is timing. champagne. Uh, 100 amazing. episodes, Wee. and I'm and opening a bottle of champagne. Cling it again. And, and unfortunately, I don't have G-T. champagne, but I do have beer. So. I don't oh, know. That's great. Really. That's nice. So, who thought we would who make it the until hell 100 thought that we'll be able to- episodes? Would have thought it. Yeah. Uh, we just yeah. don't know and when to quit. And I don't think right now would Cheers. be the good time. We cannot quit now. So I think the time the time has long gone. Here's to another hundred. Here, here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here, here. This is good radio. <laughs> this is good radio. We have spent uh, f- a full day of recording interviews with a lot of people. And you will soon hear hear them. We will call this the superheroes of skepticism because we've invited people that we really, really admire and, and, and like to, to be part of this uh, for a minute, 100 the soup party. Of the soup, yeah. The soup of the heroes. The soup. <laughs> the soup of the heroes. And, and it's, it's ridiculous, but when we were discussing this, I was coming up with the idea of saying that some of the superheroes of skepticism, because obviously we could not have all of the people we consider superheroes of skepticism, no. but it just doesn't sound good. So we're going to go with the superheroes of skepticism. Yeah, we we have an impressive oh, yeah. bunch of yeah. people coming on the yeah. show and today. And it wasn't so. only yeah. today that we recorded interviews. We recorded for three uh, consecutive evenings. So it's... Wow! Yeah, yeah, Unfortunately, yeah, sure. there were a couple of people who, <laughs> who could not make it, but uh, hope we can we can catch up with them later on. But uh, I do yeah, think, without absolutely. further ado, we should actually crack on with all those interviews because it's going to be a long episode. So please, dear listeners, uh, we're gonna yeah uh, strap in. We're gonna jump right in, but please don't give up. It's it's all fascinating stuff. People, people who who came on the show, we do admire their work, and they remind us how diverse European skepticism is. So it's just absolutely. Oh, and yeah. not just European, because we have guests from you, all around are. the globe. Oh, obviously no, because no, it's it's going to be on out. the Facebook post and on the, on, the, on the show notes as well. So whatever. <laughs> okay, shall we do this? Yeah. <laughs> Let's right. do this, guys. Okay, yes, and we'll let's come listen back to it. Through all these interviews. Wow. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Enjoy. indeed. Wait. And now we have here with us Gabor Roshko from Budapest, Hungary. Hi, Gabor. Hello. Hello, Gabor. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, actually. Welcome yeah. to the show. Again. Oh, yes. Back, back, back in the show. Yeah, back in the show. Yeah. yeah. After being our first guest. On episode one. <laughs> yes. Can you believe we're at episode 100 right now? 
No, it's it's really. I mean, I was always optimistic that you can do that, but I very much know that it's it's very very difficult. And and I I think I already explained that's why I have not started it with Andras in Hungarian <laughs> two years ago or three years yeah, ago. Yes, I know. <laughs> we had been planning to start a podcast for years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we ended up not doing it in Hungarian. But Gabor. What have you been up to? We talked briefly on the show about you saying goodbye to the EXO board. And uh, what are you up to now? Yeah, um, in fact, I'm quite busy in my personal life nowadays with job and family. Mm-hmm. And I would have liked to concentrate a, a bit more on uh, on the Hungarian skeptics, which I couldn't yet done so mm-hmm. much. Uh, so I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to do that. And on the other hand, I have a feeling that I somehow left uh, what I uh, like the best, uh, writing articles and uh, making lectures to the public. And I try to find some time to do that again mm-hmm. after after several years of pause in that. Mm. Well, yeah, it's it's difficult to, to focus on several different things at a time. So you, you need to find your own focus, yeah. But basically, the reason why I am an associate member on the board right now is because you nominated me. What were you thinking, man? Uh, sorry, sorry for that. Sorry for that. <laughs> yeah, I was hesitating, and and uh, possibly you have seen that because uh, I knew that uh, creating this podcast is already a big burden on you, on all of you, of course. Yeah. But I had this secret plan, you know, that uh, that uh, I always wanted to bring closer together the podcast and the EXO. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was a very secret plan. Ah, cunning. No, it, was, it was not a secret plan. <laughs> I, I was always very careful not to totally mix the two. So I know that this is an independent podcast and I think it's it's absolutely okay. EXO has some other things to do. But uh, but I was always for that that this, these two, uh, you know, initiations should help each other, should cooperate much, much more. And I hope uh, your involvement, uh, Andras, and I think uh, Pontus is there as well, uh, that will help in this. Uh, by the way, you asked me uh, mm-hmm. what I'm planning to do when I quit from the board. Mm-hmm. But there was a, another reason why I decided uh, to do that. And I think I, I discussed this uh, briefly already with, with Andras. And, and I, I think he will resonate on that because uh, he's from Hungary as well, like me. That uh, I see so much problems with the politics here in Hungary. Yeah. And we will have a general election next year that uh, that uh, there are very confusing feelings on me nowadays uh, and and uh, practically i've seen that uh, that the topics which we used to speak about are disappearing from the media because because everyone is speaking about politics mm-hmm. uh, nowadays and and uh, people are hesitating what to do is homeopathy a really urgent issue here in hungary or do we have some uh, much more difficult uh, decisions to be made and and all these affects uh, uh, what we are doing skeptics because we are we are trying to fixing on on facts you know and 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 the normal communication and uh, whatever is happening here in Hungary and uh, in other parts of the world as well is that there there are fake news there are uh, people are uh, unable to communicate with each other because of the 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 nasty tactics of politics. So practically, we are losing our our abilities to to speak to people, and uh, 
and, and simply I wanted to think a bit myself, you know, uh, that how to progress in this type of environment. You know, earlier I believed that at least we are living in the era of uh, reason. And, uh, and nowadays I'm a bit more skeptical yeah. in this. Mm. Uh, my, my point of view here is that always you could always find a bigger problem to focus on. But that does not mean that you have to abandon the smaller problems. If we say that homeopathy is a less problem than... No, no, not at all, not at all. I, I'm yeah, not that kind yeah. of person. I, um, hmm. I, I just wanted to make a pause because I would have liked to figure out how to do our goals better. You know? yeah. So, so the, the, the environment is changing. So what I've done earlier it seems it's not really working efficiently. Of course, I can push it, but but maybe I should adapt a bit and and uh, and change. Uh, and of course, one one uh, important thing is that of course politics is important and it affects our life very much. But still, there are important other issues what we are dealing with. So so how to uh, on which forum to speak to people in uh, in which way which which can still emerge uh, from this uh, big mud of uh, you know false uh, claims and false uh, writings in in all the media. So that, that it's just just um, uh, we have to find new strategies how to be loud enough to you know to be heard yeah absolutely yeah uh, Gabor, how do you see uh, where the exo is, is heading what direction it's, it's heading and also overall the uh, european skeptics um, as a group oh, well as i mentioned that uh, i always believe that much more cooperation is needed and uh, i was partially successful on that but but i think uh, it, it was not at all enough, and uh, that's why I was happy to to push a, a bigger change, you know, in in the leadership of EXO, and that's why I'm very happy that there are new people there, uh, and and some of them are already active in in cooperation, like like uh, Andras or Pontus, for example, and and there are some other other people in the new board uh, from. East European uh, countries, for example. So, so I think it's a, it's now a bit more networking type of leadership. Maybe not so much. Uh, don't misunderstand, please. Scientific oriented. So not not scientists, let's say, but m more networking. But I think that was which was really missing in in EXO so far. So those people who were involved uh, were uh, we were I think quite good at at uh, scientific issues and and uh, communicating that to the public. But I think EXO's role is not that. EXO should be a, a, a network uh, organization, an umbrella organization where cooperation, networking is much more important than than let's say formulating a, a scientific kind of uh, of papers. So and, and and I think that that has started. So what I see is that there uh, there are much more activities now on the board. Mm -hmm. And I, I very much hope that this will lead to organization of uh, more active uh, international projects uh, all around Europe, because that's badly needed. So, so far, EXO was concentrating on, on organizing only the conferences, the B-yearly conferences. But now I see a potential that, that we will be able to 
initiate uh, much more internationally uh, active projects. Yeah, All right. Let's make it. So. Yes, that that's. Uh, <laughs> I absolutely agree. I think there's a lot of strength in collaboration, cooperation across the borders, especially within Europe, since it's a lot of it. It's driven on a European basis when it comes to politics, but also when it comes to what's allowed to be sold, what's allowed to be marketed within the European Union. Yeah, just one more question before we say goodbye. I'm really hoping that whatever you said here right now does not not necessarily mean that we have to uh, work without you um, going forward. So um, I do hope that you will stay along and there is going to be some kind of collaboration with you as well. Absolutely. Um, at first I have to be work much more in the Hungarian mm-hmm. uh, group, you know, and if I can do that, of course, I could be the uh, the connection towards EXO. So that's, I think, very important that, that EXO is not just an organization itself. It is it is the cooperation of the national groups. So if there are no real strong national groups, that's a problem. So I would like to work on that, and, and still I have to do uh, a lot of a lot of things there as well. And then of course, if there are some international issues where I can cooperate, probably on on the alternative medicine uh, part because that was one of my strengths. Then of course I will be happy to join. Mm. Great. Well, Great. thanks very much for joining us today for the episode on which we celebrate our 100th show. Uh, yeah, catch you soon. All right. Thank you. Uh, yes, and, and happy next 100 episodes for you. Oh, thank <laughs> you. so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. And now our next guest is none other than Natalie Grams from Germany, Heidelberg. Hi, Natalie. Hi. Hello. How are you? Hello. Welcome to the show. Welcome Thank back, you. actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. And I'm among those lucky few who actually met you in person not too long ago. Yes. And now you're sure that I'm not just an invention of the pharma industry. Exactly. Exactly. You're real. You're very much real. And you were so real that you took us to the pharmacy museum in Heidelberg, which is which was fantastic. Yeah, it was great fun. Oh, yeah. And uh, we ha- we hung out with uh, Mark uh, Lubo and Susan Gerbic mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, that was a. Uh, we were talking a lot about that visit and meeting you. So they all loved you. <laughs> Thank you. No, we all did. Um, so thanks very much for taking good care of us. How have you been? Well, I, I'm doing doing very well. Um, works work is um, always going on. There are always new pseudo medical um, yeah <laughs> problems here in Germany. Mm-hmm. So we keep uh, standing up against them. And I wrote a new book yes, that does not care did. only about homeopathy, but even more problems that we have in medicine. Mm, it's a little bit difficult to translate the title. I, I think Gesundheit means uh, bless you or, you know, when you somebody sneezes, is that right? It's, it's, it has a double meaning. It means okay. in Germany, it means health. And yeah. it, and it means what you uh, say when somebody is sneezing, mm-hmm. and it is a good wish for somebody to get healthy mm-hmm. again. 
Mhm. And uh, so I called it Gesundheit, ein Buch nicht ohne Nebenwirkungen, which means a book not without having um, side effects. Oh, <laughs> uh, good one, good one. Because um, when you talk about alternative medicine, most people say, well, at least it does not have side effects. It's just some kind of um, yeah. natural medicine. And uh, well, if it does not help, it does not uh, harm you. So mm -hmm. at least some of, some of it is positive. And so I took this <laughs> into the title because I, I hope that uh, when you read my book, uh, you have to um, care about the side effects that it might have on your critic critical uh, thinking. Mm -hmm. It affects uh, perhaps the way you have been thinking about medicine and in a special uh, way about alternative medicine um, up to now. Uh, so you're saying that if if we read the book, when can we read it in English? <laughs> I will talk to Springer, but uh, okay. <laughs> uh, at the moment, it's uh, only available in in German. Mm -hmm. And how's the the homeopathy information network going? Uh, very good. We are getting bigger and more influential. And um, the problem I had, many people ask me, uh, are you only able to criticize homeopathy or don't you do more or doesn't it get boring? <laughs> and so in the new book, I, I tried to um, focus on more problems that we have in the medicine mm -hmm. Or medical healthcare system, not only here in Germany. I think it's a worldwide problem that we lose uh, well the belief or <laughs> the the meaning of good science. And yeah. as I come from not using science science at all, but just using beliefs and thoughts and uh, misbeliefs, uh, for me it was very important to write that down. Uh, why do we need science, especially in medicine? And uh, we do a lot of this work in the information network homeopathy, but only with homeopathy. But how about TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, or um, all those other parts of medicine where we do not have any evidence that it works and we have no um, signs that it is possible to to uh, work because it's so irrational wow so, so that that sounds great so are you starting a new information networks now not just for homeopathy but against other things as well no but we are taking over uh, more and more new themes. Perhaps we talk about vaccinations, why it is important to vac vaccinate your, your children. But the, our, our focus is still homeopathy. Hmm. We hope to change the situation in, in Germany. Really, um, that is our, our goal. Yeah, uh, obviously one, one side of it is to educate the public. But uh, is there anything else going on? Yeah, we are talking a lot to uh, politicians in, okay. in, in Berlin. Um, but at the moment we have the problem that they are trying uh, to, to find a new consolation. And uh, 
at this very moment it's not possible to to change anything but we um look in in many um newspapers there are some kind of fake news about homeopathy that when you have a cold you have to use this remedy or that remedy and um, we just discovered that uh, some uh, newspapers just take over advertising that medical uh, producers of homeopathic remedies send to the journalists and they just take it over without checking it without checking the they just publish us as a news uh, source and and uh, totally uncritical yeah yeah and lazy journalism <laughs> we, are, we pick that up and just show it to the public and say look what is going on here it's not mm -hmm. just the bad big farmer who does those disgustable things it's uh, the homeopathy who does it just the same yeah absolutely so, so where can one follow the, the homeopathy network? Is it on Facebook or is it a website? Where do you want to go? We are everywhere. Because <laughs> he is watching you everywhere. <laughs> but we have accounts on Facebook and Twitter and we have our homepage with this, which is uh, written partly in English. We have at least a short uh, version of our homepage in English. And the uh, address is www. Netzwerk minus homeopathie.eu and you can read a little bit of what we do and what we want in English. Mm -hmm. Is there going to be more of that stuff translated into English? Yeah, um, we, we we got a lot of questions about that and we are trying to do it, but we have a lot of, lot of, lot of tests yeah. by now. Yeah, yeah. But, um, we are wanting to do that. Because uh, we recently talked to um, Amadeo Sarma about that and, and um, we agreed that once it's translated into English, mm -hmm. it's going to open up to all those other languages and, and because, because that can be translated from English, it's much easier to translate it to, to different other languages and, and it's, it's easier to work on that uh, for, for making it truly international. Yeah, so that I, would be I give that to my team because... Um... I really agree that this would be the next step to go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, just one more question: Is it is your book available as an ebook as well? So if yes, it is. Someone as wants a, to as a normal ebook and as a Kindle ebook if you prefer Amazon. Okay. Great. Nice. Okay, I uh, hope it really comes out in English at, at some point as well. But um, <laughs> until then, we're gonna call you from time to time to talk about that and talk about stuff. Are you working on something else now? Is there a new book in the making? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can you tell us what it's about? It's about, um, I got a lot of uh, um, very angry emails or co comments um, and I, I want to write a book about that because everybody thinks that homeopath, they are so lovely and they're so empathetic and good people. But if you read those uh, words, <laughs> I think you might... Uh, Okay. Rethink about that opinion, and I'm hoping to uh, reach other people than the skeptics with that kind of approach to to talk about homeopathy. Wow, I think that sounds good. That's great. Yeah, it's it's more fun than I mean, the other books. I mean, obviously, it doesn't sound good in the sense that it's it's terrible that you get all those emails and <laughs> and, and messages, but. Uh... 
I think it's important to release all those. Yeah, yeah, and I when when I post something like that on Twitter or on Facebook, it's always uh, liked very much, and 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 yeah, I think people um, are surprised, but they also um, want to hear that. Yeah. Okay, Natalie, I'm afraid um, this this is all that we have had time for, but uh, it's been great having you on again. Thank you. So hope to talk to you soon again. <laughs> all the yeah. best. I hope your book will do really well. Yes, all the best with the book. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. Take care. And now we have on the other end of the line Michael Marshar, also known as Marsh. Hi, Marsh. Hey guys. Hey, how you doing? Hi. How are you? Welcome back to the show. Well, it's always a pleasure. To, always a pleasure to be on. Always a pleasure to catch up with you, fellas. Yeah. Oh. Is, uh, and Yelena, when she's here as well. Unfortunately, she's not with us today. I gather. No, though. Unfortunately, she couldn't join us for this one. Ah, that's a shame. Yeah. 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 Just a bit of a technical detail that uh, since we have so many different guests on this show, uh, we could not do it on the same day. <laughs> yeah, I figured. So um, yeah. But uh, you're about to go somewhere. Um, a conference is what you're going, going to attend? Yeah, I'm speaking or... at a conference in uh, at Stellenbosch University, uh, which is all about, um, it's, it's sort of generally about quackery in the media. Uh, and I'm going to be giving a talk, a new talk that I'm, uh, I'd say I've written. Uh, it's, it's almost written. I'm about to fly to South Africa tomorrow, so it is almost written at this point. <laughs> um, but it's about uh, Good Thinking's efforts to uh, tackle, as I'm calling it, pseudoscience in the UK establishment. Mm. Ah. Uh, by which I mean, rather than necessarily looking at um, an individual practitioner here or a practitioner there, it's engaging with the regulatory framework. So looking at the regulators of chiropracts and the regulators of, uh, of osteopaths, looking at how to deal with complaints uh, against the BBC and using the, the, the BBC's internal framework to help the editorial standards be more rigorous um, and just generally you know, working with uh, advertising regulators and medicine regulators and just looking at um, the, uh, the regulatory framework generally and um, seeing how we can make broader changes rather than necessarily the, the whack-a-mole of, uh, of individual practitioners, which is something we've been doing for three or four years. Mm. Yeah. But it's a lot of it isn't stuff that lends itself to, uh, to very easy uh, interview conversations necessarily, or they're not necessarily as, as impressive as saying, well, here's this one particular quackery conference that we attended, or here's this one particular um, conversation I've had with a homeopath in Scotland who's selling me homeopathic owl that I've got a video of. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's more kind of the, the longer term strategic stuff that I think we're ready to talk about really yeah great so 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 what what's the approach there how 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 would you create such regulations or what what would they look like well I think the key to to most of it has been understanding first and foremost what's already there because um, where we are in the UK we have you know chiropractors will be we found routinely making um, claims that they can't substantiate often about uh, colic or whiplash or sciatica or using the word doctor when they're not a medical doctor um, so because the, the chiropractors are regulated by the General Chiropractic Council and that's a, a formal government regulator um, they have a legal mandate to investigate complaints so it's how we go about uh, nudging them into taking action and one of the things we did was many many years ago I think three years ago now um, my colleague Laura looked at a hundred chiropractors websites to see how many of them were making claims that they couldn't uh, they couldn't back up and what they found it was um, I think it was 82 <laughs> out of a hundred wow. were making claims they couldn't substantiate so 82 on that and 
100's not a bad sample for uh, f- to, to get a, a handle on what's happening uh, around sure. the, the country. So 82%, as far as we could tell, were making claims they couldn't substantiate. We then made calls to see whether they make those claims over the phone, and we found that at least half of the ones that we spoke to were willing to. Yeah. Um, so we said to the GCC, who, who are regulate chiropractors, this is something you need to take action about. And they slow walked and didn't necessarily take the first round of complaints seriously. So we said, okay, you have a legal mandate to, uh, to investigate complaints. So we're going to write 25 complaints every month until you start taking this seriously because we're not running out of chiropractors to complain about. You know, we can find plenty of things that lots of chiropractors are saying that are not based in evidence, that are not backed up uh, with you know the, the, the available studies that are against the advertising law. So again, falling on the, the uh, advertising standards authority and understanding what they allow because we understand what they allow chiropractors to say. We can then point out to the GCC where their members are in breach of that law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've made, I think Laura spent uh, most of uh, 2015 or 2016 making complaints about chiropractors and making complaints about osteopaths, 25 a month, to a point where by the end of the year, there were 300 complaints, um, the majority of which are still outstanding about chiropractors. Um, but because we have this kind of weight of evidence, weight of complaints uh, of, uh, against uh, chiropractors, we can then start to look at the GCC and worked with them and the ASA to then have um, information released to chiropractors to say, here's the things you can and can't say. Um, and it was a similar thing with uh, with osteopaths. We got the, the General Osteopathic Council through a very similar tactic to send advice and guidance out to all osteopaths to say, here is what you're not allowed to talk about. And if you're making claims about these conditions, you have to stop making them. And then when some of their members were still, instead of making the claim directly, they kind of hinted it. We had another guidance sent by the ASA and the GOSC combined um, to say you can't even hint that you, know, you can't take the word colic off your website but say very unsettled baby who finds it very difficult is always grouching grizzly and unsettled because we know you're talking about colic yeah. so you're not allowed to even indicate towards conditions that you are you're not allowed to uh, to, to say that you can uh, you can treat so i mean with four three or four years into that sort of depth of conversation and i know laura and, and uh, simon singh my the head of the charity has uh, they've both met with the GCC and the GUSE several times to try and talk these things through and we get the sense that there's some um, headway being made, being made so when we first looked at the, the when Laura first looked at the osteopaths she found one third of them the ones that she was looking at roughly about a third of them were making claims it couldn't substantiate now when she looks through a hundred osteopaths she's finding a sixth of them are oh, so nice. is that evidence of the the letter that the the GUSE sent having an effect is it le- the letter of what we're doing having an effect? Is it a combination of the, of the two or is it something else? Certainly feels like things are going in a slightly better direction. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the, the sort of the, the framework stuff of, of thinking not just about individual, this chiropractor over here gave a terrible lecture about vaccines, which is something I actually complained to the GCC about recently and those things still need to happen. But it's also saying how do we look at the existing laws and the existing regulations and the existing bodies that are there to enforce those regulations and work with them or cajole and, and encourage them into doing more work in that area and to take their uh, their legal responsibility more seriously. Wow, it's even even just talking about it is is a mouthful. So I, the actual work that needs 
to go into that must be massive. Yeah, it, it is. And to be honest, uh, this is where my colleague Laura comes completely into her own. This is her her baby, her project, and she's uh, okay. absolutely uh, amazing when it comes to understanding the the ins and outs of the frameworks and how how uh, different agencies interact and uh, you know what you can and can't say. So people like Laura Thomason and people like um, Alan Hennis, who's also a hugely invaluable uh, yeah, yeah. resource and a, a hugely uh, effective uh, skeptical activist in these kinds of areas. Um, their expertise in these areas really do drive these projects forward. And, and the um, impact that some of these projects are having is really a testament to how much time and effort and diligence, uh, law in particular, when it comes to good thinking, has uh, been putting into this. Let me ask you, uh, Marsh, we talked about on the previous show of the ESP on about the ASA Put, uh, making a list of things that chiropractics are allowed to say. Mm. What do you feel about that approach? Yeah, well, I mean, th- th- that's... It's quite tricky so i don't think that list currently exists does it are you sort of talking about the talking about them putting that list forward or because uh, i know the osteopaths recently had a piece of uh guidance by the ASA explaining things they were allowed to to add yeah. um into and i think actually the chiropractors did too it's tricky because on the one hand if there is a firm list of things that they are allowed to say it's very clear that anything not on that list is uh, is not allowed but on the other hand obviously chiropractic there's no evidence that it does anything um so I'd rather the ASA were releasing a list of things that uh, here are the, the, the conditions that are entirely based on evidence that you're allowed to talk about them. But um, if they did that, it'd be a very, very short list. It, uh, it would it stop between the colon and the full stop, essentially. <laughs> yeah, it should be. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, yeah. one or two things. Yeah, yeah. all right. Uh, you talked all about uh, now about chiropractors and osteopaths. Does it mean that the, the focus of the, the work uh, done by the Good Thinking Society is somewhat shifting from homeopathy homeopathy to to those areas or it's it's still going on with uh, your fight against the homeopathy on the nhs sure no it's very much still going on so the, the work i'm talking about in terms of chiropractors and osteopaths now is something uh, their projects have started in 2014 2015 okay and have okay. been going along in the background and very much led by laura but they're the kind of projects as i as i say that take a lot more time to to get moving a lot more time to, to gather momentum they, they're longer term projects and they're starting to now hopefully have an effect and we're hoping as we continue um that we'll see uh, even greater effects All in the right. future hopefully but um yeah. we're certainly very much still on it with home with homeopathy so um where we are at the moment is we're awaiting the uh, results of the blacklisting uh, consultation. So there was the big NHS blacklisting consultation that I know you guys were uh, were plugging on the, on the show to have people respond to. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully, if that goes the right way, and if we read uh, our way through the the legalities uh, of the, the regulations when it comes to what how you add things to the blacklist and who needs to keep up the blacklist and what they need to do, our understanding is that there's no good reason, there's no good legal reason to keep up the off that blacklist and that's kind of that's the very much the position that we were in when we first talked to the, the department of health about this and when our lawyers first wrote to them to say if you refuse to put things on the blacklist you could be opening yourself up to uh, a legal case here so we think that uh, i don't want to say we're quietly confident because who knows what direction uh, things can go especially when it comes to government bodies and governments uh, not all uh, conversations and not all uh, actions of the government are heading necessarily always in the the, the direction towards uh, reason and uh, and rationality uh, certainly these days but we feel quite confident that um, there's a strong case for uh, 
for, for the right action be taken. So that's the blacklisting one. Uh, when it comes to that, that handles all the prescriptions of homeopathy, but there's also all the direct uh, homeopathy um, uh, funding. So not not where your GP tells you to go and buy this homeopathy at the chemist on, on prescription, but where your GP sends you to a homeopathy service or a homeopath. And that has been where we've spent a lot of our time. We stopped it in Liverpool and the world. We stopped it in uh, in parts of the southwest. The biggest uh, element that was left of that CCG, that local NHS group funding level, uh, was in London. And we had the Enfield uh, CCG, which was reviewing whether it would continue uh, funding homeopathy. They actually stopped funding. They, they, the, the result of that consultation was that they were, they were no longer going to be funding homeopathy, which is a really significant step, not just because it's another CCG to stop, but because... When it comes to London, there are something like 30 CCGs or, or something like that in the, the London area, 17 of which were funding homeopathy. But they tend to work very closely in partnership. So you'll get the, the North East London um, CSU, which is the group of CCGs, and they tend to uh, have the same policies. So when Enfield decides to stop homeopathy, we know that the same conversations must be happening in the other CCGs. And uh, we think Enfield is just the first sign um, that London is starting to stop its, uh, its, its homeopathy funding. That, uh, that, that level of, uh, well, the trend that's been happening around the country to stop homeopathy yeah. is now starting to move into London. So, so again, we're quietly confident that we could be seeing some pretty impressive and uh, interesting and, um, yeah. yeah, very positive things in the future there. Ho- hoping for the domino effect there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, not least because the people involved in the Enfield conversation, the, the Enfield consultation, running the Enfield consultation, have the same type of responsibilities as several of the CCGs. So it's not even that they have to talk to their colleagues about it. They're literally the same person who, okay. who could run the same consultation for the CCGs. So uh, we're, we're well, quite confident that this is not a, an isolated incident. Very good news then. All right. Talking about good news. So have you made the decision uh, whether to organise QED 2018 yet? <laughs> I think we have. I think uh, I think we even said at the end of the last one that uh, there'd be uh, there'd be another QED. So yeah, we we're not thinking about it too much at the moment, but I think we're pretty we're pretty content that it's uh, it's definitely going ahead. Um, but yeah, we're not going to think about that until the new year because we need <laughs> at least two uh, two months off from planning. Uh, it takes a lot of time and a lot of uh, a lot of our lives planning uh, QED. So um, yeah, we'll take a few months off and then we'll start to, to to think about what we're doing. But we've always got we've already got some plans in place for what we want to do in the next yeah. year so um yeah Great. always looking forward no, no matter what you plan we will show up anyway you know that exactly excellent it'll be great to see you guys there it was too good to miss <laughs> it so thank you very much for organizing it and indeed thank you very much for um coming back on the show if uh, if for just a couple of minutes but uh good luck with your new lecture <laughs> thank you and thanks for having me on congratulations <laughs> on 100 shows show guys that's uh, that's fantastic thanks very much thanks a lot thank you and uh, hope to catch you at some point uh, very very soon somewhere absolutely <laughs> i'm sure we will all right yeah brilliant take care take care thank you very much bye 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 Joining us now is Lubomir Baburov from Sofia Bulgaria hi lubo welcome back to the show hey, hey lubo guys. <laughs> What's Long up? time no scene. <laughs> yes. It's been it's been yeah. a couple of weeks since the, the uh, Russia conference finished in Sofia, which uh, my understanding was was a great success. Do you want to just quickly tell us about no, it? No, no thanks to us. Yeah. 
<laughs> no thanks to us. <laughs> no, it was totally just down to us. <laughs> Were they okay, Lubo? Did they behave well and... Well, well, in retrospect, this is probably a horrible idea. But... <laughs> uh, goodbye. It's been nice. <laughs> Glad that's over. Tell us more. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. I mean, um, this was this was basically the the biggest event we've had so far. Um, about roughly about seven hundred people came. We sold out the events before before the date uh, means there were no tickets at the gate so yeah we're obviously pretty happy we've had like 10 or so days to to get our bearings again uh was a bit crazy the days before that you probably guys saw that yeah. um yeah we were a bit tense but everything everything actually went pretty okay uh we've had no organizational issues that i can actually think of which was a first for me after 10 years of doing events so yeah yeah we're pretty pretty happy no i think jelena and i was very impressed of how Absolutely. smooth everything mm. went so professional was, and smooth yeah yeah if there were any emergencies behind the scene you hid it well we didn't notice yeah we're like serial killers basically <laughs> <laughs> And you know your shit, yeah. <laughs> I have to say that um, the um, range of talks was great. Um, I loved uh, all the speakers and um, I've learned a lot. I would love to come back next year. Even if we're not invited as speakers, I'm definitely going to be there as part of the just uh, participant um, because I think it adds, you know, to to one's life. <laughs> Well, it's. Well, I mean, next year. Next year is going to be pretty huge for us. In fact, we already have planned a few months into 2018. I would say that hopefully next year would be our first year that we manage to plan most of our events at least several months in advance. Uh, both our next big event in June, uh, as well as all the small events uh, starting January, February, March. Uh, we should have about. Roughly about ten events uh, in the first three months of the of the year, which is which is which is a first for us. I mean, we never really managed to plan this uh, ahead of time before, mm. and yeah, I mean it's mainly because we finally, I guess, managed to have like a proper organizational structure and some amount of funding here and there. I was going to ask where the funding comes from. Well, mostly sponsors. I mean, about ninety percent of the money that we get is from sponsors. Okay. Which means companies that advertise at our events, uh, mostly for uh, IT recruiting, uh, support, call center recruiting, that type of thing. I mean, um, the people that come to our events and that are interested in the stuff that we do are usually well-educated, uh, mostly young people. So they're essentially the audience that people want um, as employees, basically. Yeah. Boaron, Boaron, or the Church of Scientology are not among the... Yeah, and the Koch brothers, basically. <laughs> basically, those are only sponsors. Yeah. That's right. You've got, you've got a good lineup yeah. over there. Um, yes. Am I right in um, uh, assuming that the tickets for the big event in June already open and people can book? Uh, they actually are opening tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. We held off on them for about two weeks. We, well, we weren't sure if we should, uh, because we already announced the event, we weren't sure if we should get the tickets out this early for a variety of reasons. But at the end of the day, we decided, fuck it. Let's mm. uh, just let people buy tickets. Um, 
I think I think it's a good idea. I mean, from a perspective of somebody who isn't coming from the um, from Bulgaria and somebody who needs to plan the trip and you know mm-hmm. book tickets, yeah. uh, train tickets and pl- plane yeah. tickets, etc. I think it's always good to give people some notice. So, so, mm-hmm. so just for the people uh, in, in for the listeners, are we uh, the the big event as you call it in June? Will that be also in English or or all of them in English or or how does that work? Basically, for the science forums, for the for the large events that we do twice per year, we'll try to keep them in English only. Uh, we might have some amount of minor content in Bulgarian, such as some stuff uh, in the breaks. Uh, but basically, our audience allows us to have our events in English, so that 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 can make them naturally international. And specifically for the next one, we should uh, have a kind of a more organized way of having uh, foreign visitors come. Uh, it should be uh, basic, basically first try in doing it um, with at least some amount of audience from uh, Eastern Europe, etc. Uh, we'll, we'll have, uh, so far, we've talked with two separate hotels that will be uh, partners for the event. So we will have like a separate landing page for people coming from outside of Bulgaria. I mean, Obviously, I mean, it's easy coming to Bulgaria uh, and just booking an Airbnb or some like uh, cheap flights, etc. But we'll try to systematize this a bit and make it even even more accessible. Nice. Oh, you know what? Just 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 something just occurred to me. Um, did you manage to get get some rest after after the the torture of uh, traveling through Europe with us, the three of us? Well, basically, that was that was the rest. I mean, that, that was the the most relaxing bit oh my of the God. that I've had. Yeah, excluding excluding most of uh, most of your uh, car songs. I mean, you should you should probably go to a tribunal or something. That that was just atrocious. Yeah, that, it should be crime against humanity on like a, like a major genocide level type of thing. It's really bad. Next time, next time we do that, um, I'm I'm gonna be much more open to your suggestions. <laughs> yes, yes. It should be. It should be basically like a like a Western Bardo kind of thing. Oh, you should have told me that. Have <laughs> be. Oh my God. Okay. Next time. Yeah. <laughs> Blue Ball. Thanks very yeah. much for joining us today. Of course, of course. And no uh, wish you all the best for the for the uh, a great success for all the events next year. Yeah. Okay. Great. And thanks, guys. Catch up with you. All right. Yeah. yeah. See you. Cheers. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. And now we have an Occam's Award winner with us. Uh, joining us here from Scotland, Sean Slater. Hi, Sean. Good evening. Good Hello evening. there. Welcome to, uh, I won't say sunny Scotland because it rarely is and it's also dark, so that would kind of defeat it. But. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between night and day in Scotland during the winter time? Yeah, not, winter not time, much. it's like you get a few hours of daylight and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Congrats on the uh, Ockham Awards this year. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah you won uh, in the event and campaign category. We did. as our second Ockham Award. Amazing. We're not just you know, single winners. We've won two now. So. Wow. So who is collecting them? Are you are you keeping them at, at home on the shelf? Well, t- to be honest with you, we had this conversation about a year ago. Um, where is the first one? And it's actually with, uh, we think it's with a guy called Ash Price. He was one of the founders. Yeah. Um, and Ash has moved house a couple of times. And he's pretty sure it's in a box in the bottom of a cupboard somewhere. 
Um, so we're going to try and get him to look it out and get it down to us. The other one currently is with Mark and Heather. Mark mm. Pentler and Heather Pentler. They've got it currently. Yeah. But uh, you... So we, we'll have to share it between us because we all did the work. So. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure you will keep getting new ones as you lose the other ones. <laughs> so it's not a problem. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think you guys, well, as, as Edinburgh skeptics, um, did enormous amount of work uh, this year uh, at the Skeptics on the Fringe. Um, mm-hmm. How many days in a row? Can it's you just tell tw- us? 20, 23 nights. Uh, 20. We put 21 uh, speakers on. So over the 23 nights, we have 21 consecutive events uh, yeah. where we have speakers. Traditional, you know, sort of Skeptics in the pub format where we get a speaker for 40, 50 minutes. Mm. Um, but we also have two nights where we, what we call a mix nights, where we look around for other acts on the fringe that are kind of skeptical sciencey interesting acts and we get them to do maybe 10 15 minutes as well mm. uh, uh you maybe have four of them on uh, on the two nights mm-hmm. um to give them an excuse to maybe show off their act we'll maybe get their audience and we'll cross cross um fertilize our audiences sort of thing you know yeah. Mm. Um, I I say this award was definitely well deserved. It basically you, you crammed two years of skeptics in the pub in like <laughs> oh, my, <laughs> one month, yeah. Three, said, uh, three weeks, yeah. But we also um, do our skeptics in the pub events every month as well. So uh, <laughs> and we do the science festival where yes. it's sort so of mini if, fringe where we have eight events and that's yeah. in March. Wow. April time. Wow. Well, I, I just want to say that if anybody's struggling for speakers, you know where to go, guys, um, uh, we, from we, the We listeners. are looking for next year, and uh, <laughs> we are looking for speakers for next year as we speak. Mm-hmm. Right. So if any of our listeners um, feel like um, having um, giving, a, giving a speech, if you do have some very exciting topic to talk about, yeah. in a beautiful uh, do Edinburgh. get in touch with, uh, yeah. with Sean and uh, Edinburgh yeah. Skeptics. Or if they know somebody. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the three of you must know people that could do talks. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> do, but I think they, yeah, they're all over kind of Europe, aren't they, really? But yeah, we could. Well, we had, I mean, last year we had Brit Hermes come over from Hamburg. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Great. And we had um, Grant Ritchie, who came all the way from the United States, but he did pay his own fare because he was in Scotland anyway. Mm-hmm. But with Brit, we went jointly with Glasgow Skeptics, who we worked mm-hmm. very closely with. Um, Brian Ego, you know Brian mm-hmm. very well, sure, obviously. Yeah, of course, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Brian and I, work, uh, Brian and ourselves, work quite closely, so we cover helps cover some expenses. So Brit did a talk for us, and then she went and did it in Glasgow the following night. And the same with Haley Stevens. Mm-hmm. So that that helps cover some costs if we do it that way yeah, yeah. talking about that wh- wh- where does the funding come from self-funded um in the very early days and when we first started doing this uh, before my time uh, but when we first started doing this we had a little bit of sponsorship um mm-hmm. uh, you know we've we've gone to people at the british science association uh, richard wiseman uh, very generously helped us out i think in the early days oh. and a few other people mm. um mm-hmm. c- you know contributed some money towards it but most of it is self-funding last year we made a slight profit this year we made a slight loss but generally speaking we usually make enough to cover our costs yeah, and if we great. do that we're happy yeah that's nice. really great really great yeah uh, and then you can you can, the ones of us who weren't fortunate to be there 
well, we were unfortunate not to be there, so we, we can still <laughs> we can still follow this on the Edinburgh Skeptics uh, podcast, right? We we try and record our, our speakers if they'll allow us to. It's you know, it's, it's obviously they're very graciously giving us their talk, and they may want to present it in other places. So we ask their permission. We record it if possible. We also record an interview with them, usually about fifteen minute, fairly short interview. Um, and we put those out in podcasts throughout the year. Mark Pentler's currently doing that with some of our talks as we speak. I think there's a new episode going out tonight. Can't remember who it is, but there'll be a new one on online tonight. So it's Edinburgh Skeptics podcast. Just Google it; you'll find it. Good work. Yeah, and Mark is the Mark is the guy who's uh, always seen with a microphone in his hand when when he's at a skeptic convention. Yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it to QED this year. Um, yeah. And he did hand me the podcast gear, but I've never done it before. And I was a little <laughs> bit too self-conscious. Plus, I felt I'm going to miss all these great speakers and mm-hmm. didn't record anything. Of course, so. the, yeah. The, yeah, the QED outdid themselves this year. There were five different tracks. He didn't know where to run. Yeah. So you are actually in, in the process of, of organizing the next one? We are starting to think about it, put it that way. Okay. We, we tend okay. to get um, really cracking in the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already identified about half a dozen potential speakers. I've not written to them, so that half a dozen may not pan out. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But we tend to start emailing them early in the new year. We, we kind of have a rough idea of plans. So usually by February, March, we've got a kind of about half our speakers agreed, um, plus we're in communication with others. We really need to have all the speakers in place and agreed by about the end of April, early May, I mean, you know, best laid plans of mice and men, as they say, yeah. <laughs> don't always go go the way that we want them to. <laughs> um, but generally speaking, we have most of them in place by the end of March, April. Yeah, nice. Excellent All right. work. Okay. Well, thanks very much for joining us, uh, if for just, just a couple of minutes. You're more than welcome. And Again, uh, congratulations on the Occam's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to you guys as well, because obviously you won. That's your first, isn't it? It is yeah, it was. first, it yeah. Was. He, he it was a second nomination. Yeah. yeah, so it's only your first, yeah. isn't it? Of so course, we now know. have... Oh, yeah, yeah. We, have, <laughs> we now have one bookend, so now we need another one to, to stop the <laughs> Yeah, but who has it? Who has the Occam? Well, I think Andras uh, was Anders, seen with yeah. it last, I don't know. <laughs> And I'm even though it in bed, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, there's no photo of that. But um, <laughs> not yet. But uh, I have to say uh, that even though most of my stuff is still in boxes, the Occam's Award is out, <laughs> is out visibly on on the shelf. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a quick question. Obviously, you, you've been nominated before, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. The, I mean, this is the first time that where I've been doing the Edinburgh Skeptics that we've been nominated, and I've been at QED. And I remember I was sat at the very front table on the, the evening, mm-hmm. and um, one of my friends from Edinburgh Skeptics was was um, was also at the same table. Um, she said to me, "Have you written an acceptance speech?" And I went, "Well, don't be stupid. I'm not going to win, are we?" And she goes, "Well, <laughs> you need to write something." And I thought, actually, she's right. <laughs> if we do get up there, it may look arrogant, but I'll need to say something, and I have no idea what I'm going to say. Mm. So, did you guys do something as well? Or? Yeah, yeah. I think it was quite obvious that there was nothing prepared, and I, I did not expect us to win. And, and you don't want to appear kind of arrogant, almost. You know, oh, here's oh, yeah, a speech yeah. I prepared. I know what you mean. I've been waiting for this moment all my life, whatever. Yeah. 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 But it's one of these things where um, 
to win an award like that from the outside probably looked a little bit cheesy and a little bit yeah you won an award so what you know <laughs> but I must admit on the night I felt so so proud yeah, yeah. yeah. So not did just we, for so me but we. for the yeah. other people the work that we put in yeah. all the years that we've been doing it and you're up yeah. to 100 episodes all the work that you've done you guys really deserve it thank you um Thank you know, you. I think your your podcast. I do download it every month. I can't say I listen to it religiously, but I do frequently <laughs> dabble in it. But you know, you guys do a fantastic job promoting skepticism throughout the whole of the continent, and you've got to take a bit of reward for that. So well done, well done. Yeah. All right, thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, same to you. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. Um. And on on that very happy note, um, I I've. I'm afraid we have to say goodbye. Uh, but thanks very much, much uh, Sean, for, for joining us today. Not at all. I'll speak thanks, to you Sean. again, I'm sure. I'll, I'll, we'll come yeah. on again before the Fringe and you can help us promote it next year. Absolutely. Definitely. We'd love Definitely. To. We'll do. Sure. All right. Okay. Speak soon. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And... Joining us right now is Massimo Polidoro from Italy. Welcome, Massimo. That's the way. <laughs> That's the way to say it. Thank you, Andres. <laughs> Massimo. Yes. How are you guys? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's it's so great to have you back. Uh, since since we interviewed you, I believe you released at least two books. <laughs> <laughs> It could so, be, yes. how many books have you released so far, altogether? Oh, <laughs> um, so far, altogether. Uh, I haven't counted uh, recently. You're not telling me that you lost count of your books. <laughs> well, I, w- I was close to 50. No way. I, I'm not sure I'm over it. Wow. I may be 51 or 50. Well, I'll, I'll check. Jesus. That is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. <laughs> wow. That is incredible. Well, I started very early, you know. Yeah. <laughs> how old? How old were you? Yeah, must have been when you were seven. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wrote my first book uh, when I was eighteen, <laughs> and I was uh, uh, ran this apprentice actually in the United States, and that was um, well uh, late nineteen eighties. Yeah. So you can do the math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> So tell us about the latest book you you've just uh, published. Oh, that was quite fun to write. Quite a quite a job actually, because it's uh, it's titled in Italian. Well, the Italian title is "Segreti e Tesori del Vaticano," which means uh, "Secrets and Treasures of the Vatican," wow. and it's uh, not what you you would think, maybe. Uh, not that kind of secret, uh, but uh, <laughs> not the pro- not the dirty ones. <laughs> so, so, but probably well, some dirty there are there. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's the the treasures that uh, really interest me. And um, the idea, uh, as I did with a previous book on the Colosseum, uh, a few weeks ago, I was in Las Vegas for a, a SciCon, the Sci Conference mm-hmm. from CSI. And I d- presented a talk on the Colosseum, uh, which was based on my on my previous book. And the idea is, since we cannot see the Colosseum as it was uh, at the time, uh, let's imagine that we have a, a time machine, and we can we can travel back in time and see. And I will take you there and tell you what we are seeing, what we are witnessing, and uh, and we will live a full day at the Colosseum in uh, in the second century. 
so that's the idea you know uh, basing my my story on actual uh, facts and scientific uh, discoveries and uh, archaeological findings uh, try to bring to life uh, the past mm-hmm. and the same goes for uh, for this new book this time we are going back um, well actually we're going back the, the earliest that we're going back is the year 800 mm-hmm. uh, the night of christmas when um, Charles Magne, Charlemagne, yeah. Charlemagne, exactly, was going to be knighted by the Pope in uh, what was uh, the Basilica of St. Peter at the time, which, is, which was not what is today. It was another basilica built by uh, the Emperor Constantine. And it's, uh, it's fascinating to see how that basilica was. And I, I can describe it to you because I, I base my descriptions on what has remained, what uh, the descriptions, uh, the contemporary descriptions and the, the drawings and, uh, and so on. And so we go back and we see and we witness this uh, uh, knighting and, and coronation of uh, Charlemagne. Uh, and then we travel to the Renaissance and we see Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel and so on. We talk about history, uh, and that's uh, I, I, I actually a, a, hmm. a pet interest of mine as well. And, but we don't always get in contact with that when we talk about skepticism. So yeah, that's right. Um, it, it's it's more frequent to to meet scientists and regular scientists, and not historians, not uh, uh, people coming from the humanities, and uh, and that's a shame because there's a lot of material there. Uh, and a lot of work to do yeah. in that field as well. Um, skepticism, skepticism is needed in all of research fields, and because pseudoscience can creep everywhere. And also, you know, oh, yeah. in in writing these books, also uh, you you stumble upon uh, fake stories and legends and myths and uh, pseudoscience and so on. So it's fun also to set things straight. Yeah. Now, pseudo history is a thing. Yeah. Have you got uh, a pet myth that you came across while doing your research for for this uh, book? Well, there are uh, there are a few interesting uh, stories. For example, uh, many believe that uh, most of the treasures that are in the Vatican were somehow stolen or uh, taken uh, by mm-hmm. by the popes uh, in in various times and taken to the Vatican just to enrich their treasure but uh, it's not the it's not the case it turns out uh, they actually bought mo- most of what is uh, inside the Vatican where, and they commissioned mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it's interesting to see how the Renaissance was uh, almost a product of uh, uh, the Vatican uh, asking artists to create new um, material new new art for the for the Vatican, for St. Peter, and for uh, what would become eventually the museums of the Vatican. Uh, the discovery of, of one of the most impressive pieces that are in the museums, um, a statue of um, an, ancient, an ancient Greek statue, was actually found in, a, in the garden of a, of a Roman uh, nobleman, and it was uh, bought and, and paid a high sum by the Pope because he wanted to have it absolutely because it was like a, a treasure um, that linked. Are you referring to the Laocon? Um, of course, yes, yes. Statue, yeah. The Laocon, mm. yes, because uh, 
that was like a, a link to the past and especially to Jews II, who was the Pope who, who wanted absolutely to have that. Uh, a link to the, the Roman Empire and a link to the ancient times. Uh, and uh, he himself thought of, uh, of himself as a, as, a, as a heir of Julius Caesar. Oh, yeah. um, in, in, in that respect. Mm -hmm. And so owning that kind of statue and starting a collection of uh, fine ancient art was actually uh, a product of, uh, let's say, uh, the desire of uh, preserving art, certainly, but also of making um, the Vatican the, the most fantastic place <laughs> that could be yeah. uh, found in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. Do, do, are there any plans to to translate it to to English? Well, I I hope so <laughs> because you know my my agent will uh, will of course participate in the Frankfurt Festival, which was going to be next year, or in the London uh, Book Fair, and they would certainly try to sell the rights. And I look forward mm -hmm. to. To have it translated and it'd be great to to go around and present it then yeah great i mean uh, you must let us know I I when and if that happens so we can oh, pr promote it on the show yeah great <laughs> thank you yeah and i would recommend it to all my colleagues uh who uh, who work work in rome as uh, tour guides and very good <laughs> there you go that's that's how you do it <laughs> they should probably read that <laughs> Because the materials that they come across sometimes is uh, ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. <laughs> have you have you seen any any books like uh, guidebooks uh, about Rome and the Colosseum and uh, the Vatican that absolutely blew your mind? Like like okay, I, I don't I do not believe how much bullshit is in here. <laughs> Have you come across that? <laughs> I've come across, I've come across, but uh, you know, as soon as I found them, I dropped them. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's a good approach. Yeah. <laughs> no, no need, no use for that kind of uh, of material, of yeah. course. But how do you go about doing your research? Because um, if you if you want to really base everything on on uh, proper research, yeah, you have to sweep through all the archives and and all the documents. So how can you? Uh, so how how do you go about that? Well, you know, for for uh, for the previous book, the Colosseum one, it was uh, a matter of finding uh, uh, enough material, let's say, because there is a lot of research, of course, on the Colosseum, but yeah. its its story was uh, was very uh, difficult to reconstruct. After all, it's just a monument, uh, uh, even though it's been there for two thousand years. But uh, uh, the Vatican is so rich with material, with stories. It's 2000 years again but uh, there are thousands of books and, uh, and researches and uh, and uh, and works on on it so the trouble was uh, sorting out what was uh, useful and uh, what i could avoid mm -hmm. uh, and it was not easy and uh, you know when you start looking into a subject and um, and you start looking at it with a, with a certain approach, which is basing things on facts, you, you always have to go back to the original sources exactly. and start from there and see what that brings you, where that brings you to. Because you can find interesting stories in uh, contemporary books, um, modern books today, but are they based on facts or are they based on hearsay or fiction? Or uh, And very often they are. So... Uh, you won't find those in, uh, in in the books. 
that I write. <laughs> mm, that's very good. And especially uh, what uh, pisses me off big time is that when, when I come across these books, um, I mean, not talking about your book, but some books that, that are used by, by many people who visit these places, mm. it, it gets regenerated. So when someone reads something that's not actually true and starts spreading that information and it's it proliferates from that on. Yeah, it becomes truth then yeah. for people. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. I've seen that, uh, you know, uh, many times in the um, in psychic research, for example. Uh, I wrote mm -hmm. also about psychical uh, psychic research history on spiritualism, on, uh, on the paranormal, on Houdini. And, uh, and you will very often find that it, in modern books there are so many stories that are told and told and told again and enriched and enlarged and, and maybe never took place in the first place. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, what's your next, next project then? <laughs> are you looking into <laughs> the new books? Huh? What are you writing now? Well, yeah. To tell you the truth, I have a book that I have to finish by December. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's, that's uh, you know, the... No stopping for you. <laughs> Non-stopping, because I have another one after that. It has to be <laughs> delivered by before summer, and then I have another one for uh, uh, the autumn, and so on, until 2019-something. Uh, so, yes, I'm never stopping. Uh, wow, wow. <laughs> Great. Can you tell us what you're working on that right now? Well, I, I can only tell you it's a it's a novel. Okay. Because I also write novels, and some of them are for uh, you know adults like thrillers, and some mm. of them are uh, young adult books mm. uh, or for kids even. Uh, also. Wow. But they are also based on uh, okay history or based on um, mysteries, and uh, for example. Uh, previous book for kids that was very successful was titled uh, Leonardo's Treasure and was based on the idea that Leonardo da Vinci had a treasure that was buried in Milan mm. and he left clues all around uh, the city which is where I live uh, in order to find it and the, the fun part for me was to go around and look for actual Leonardo uh, traces because he lived in Milan for 20 years so uh, there are things that uh, go back to that time and, uh, and it's also very fun for the kids but also for the teachers because they have a chance to tell them about the history yeah. and about Leonardo about the Renaissance about uh, many things and uh, and that's a fun fun way to teach yeah about the Sforzas <laughs> Sounds like a great approach, yeah. I think. Yeah. It, it really does. Uh, so, what else? What else? Um, <laughs> is there going to be a Cheek Up Fest in 2018? Oh, the Cheek Up Fest. You were there and you know what you're talking about. Uh, we, we Yes, and it was so much fun. I really <laughs> loved it. <laughs> Thank you. It was fun for us as well. The question is, will the Pope come back for, well, for the next you know, one? He, apparently, he had... <laughs> a lot of fun with us. Uh, so maybe, maybe <laughs> who knows? Uh, I'm not sure yeah. we're gonna have it next year because it's very. Um, it, it's a project that takes a lot, a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. And it took for us. It took uh, one year of work in order to to produce it like uh, like it was. There were more than 100 speakers. Uh, and, uh, and talks and, and workshops and um, shows and performances and laboratories and many things that you've seen. And uh, we're going to bring it back, uh, uh, certainly in 2019, because that's when CHICAP, which is our skeptical organization, 
will be 30 years old. So that's uh, definitely going to be a special wow. Chicken Fest, yes. And we'll see. Ah, that's we'll great. see if next year we're going to be able to, to do something. But there is something happening uh, in 2018 that uh, I think the um, inscriptions are open for it, which is the the course. Oh, yeah, of the course. The Investigators of Mysteries, is that? Is that... <laughs> That's right, you're very well informed. Uh, <laughs> this is something we do every year, and it's, and it's been done now for 15 or 16 years. It's a course in how to investigate mysteries, and it takes place... Uh, one weekend every month for six months from January to June and um, there are about 30 people that uh, participate mm-hmm. it's a it's a close number of course because if you have more people it becomes more difficult for them to to really do hands-on things yeah. and we have all our our experts and um, experts in the field that are maybe are not from Chica but they are real experts in various fields and they come to the course to teach their expertise and to have the the participants learn how to perform an investigation how to uh, actually go about uh, uh, testing claims or um, try to find out if a story uh, stands or is uh, false or whatever and uh, it's always a a lot of fun this year is going to be in Milan because it's also a uh, um, a course that travels uh, every year. We try to do it in a different city in order to to get closer to different people. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, you know, it's. Uh, I hope you can come. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Would be fun. But it's all in Italian, right? That's yeah. <laughs> That's a detail. <laughs> it's gonna. It's always in Italian, yes, because it's uh, directed but, to the Italian audience. Yes. Yeah, and is it open only for uh, members of Chicap or no, no, it's, it's, it's open for anyone? Well, you know, yeah. If you if you're a member, so in theory, I could actually yes, come and and, yes. and, and you okay. have to subscribe, of course, <laughs> because it's. Uh, uh, it's yeah. something that we cannot, um, you know, give for free because it has many uh, expenses. To so you have to bring uh, yeah. teachers from uh, from other towns, and they have yeah. to, you know, you have to pay their expenses and so on. Um, but it's open to, yeah. to anybody. Nice. All right. Well, my friends, if any of our listeners are uh, um, are interested, yeah. Well, the 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 link will be among the show notes. So um, I think this is what we had time for. It would be very nice to to have a, a much much longer chat with you, but uh, it was fun. Yeah, uh, I I was lucky enough to meet you in person t- twice this uh, <laughs> this couple of uh, last couple of months. So uh, yeah, I consider myself very lucky. It, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. We had fun. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could yeah. come to to Las, to Las Vegas as well. That was fun too. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, Randy yeah. could Would not be nice. with us, as you know. Of course, you are in close contact with him, right? Yes, so, uh, how is he now? How is he now? I, I went to visit him um, before and after Las Vegas, uh, and uh, he's doing very well, and uh, he's doing much better, and he looks forward to next year a uh, Psycon where he wants to <laughs> to participate absolutely, and uh, and I'm sure he's gonna be there. Okay, that's great. Such a tough and lovely guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we wish him all the best. And to you as well. Thank you, so thank you. we wish you a great success with the book. Thank you very much. All right, so um, Massimo, thank you very much for joining us today. It's It's been lovely to have, uh, thank have you. Thank you all. For... Thanks a lot, Massimo. Thank you. It was really a pleasure. <laughs> Talk to you. Thank you Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. 
And now we have people from two different, very distant parts of the world. We are actually spanning 19 time zones here. Woo-hoo. Susan Gerbic from the US and Richard Saunders from Sydney, Australia. Welcome, guys. Welcome Hello. back to the show. Hi. Hey, Hello. son. Hey, son. Wait, hey, son. Hey. Good to have you on, both of you. Good talk. <laughs> Guten Tag. Um, Thank you. Yeah, whatever. Just any language, really. Of course. I'm so excited that we're doing this that I actually forgot what what I was going to ask you or or talk talk about. So it's it's just it's just so great having you on. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be back on the show. Can you imagine we are actually recording our hundredth episode right now? I'm really excited about that. I just listened to the 99th one and I said, ha ha, I get to be on the 100th. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I can remember many, many, many years ago when I did my 100th. That was good. (laughs) Oh, you have to tell you that, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We we don't even dream of catching up with you. You're going to be doing your (laughs) thousands. It feels like sometimes it feels like, and I'm sure you understand what I mean. It feels like you're doing a thousand sometimes, because to do a, a regular podcast, and, and believe me, I know, takes a lot of uh, dedication and determination, and it's not always easy. So mm-hmm. to reach 100, uh, any podcast to reach 100 shows that uh, you really uh, do uh, get involved with your own podcast and you believe in it, and I think it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I, I think we just don't know when to quit. That's that's the thing. That's it. So you're now on 474 with your podcast, Skeptic Zone. Are you going to be doing anything special for five, 500th episode, which is coming up not long? Well, yes. I don't know, actually. Yeah, 500. Yeah, I, I want to go and do it from um, uh, probably... Oh, I don't know, Stockholm? Or, oh, yeah, or, that's a good uh, idea. Os- Oslo? Mm. Or, I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope so. That'll be Come to um, London. Come London. to London. That will be in uh, September or October. Something like that next year will be the, the uh, 500 episode. I really don't know, but I'll try to do something special. Honestly, Richard, it fits very well with Kiwi D, probably. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Now there's Ooh. a thought. Manchester. And you could you could do a live one at the podcast track. This oh, is, that'd be nice. Oh, wouldn't it? That's interesting you should say so, because the episode you, uh, you just referred to, episode uh, 747, was that it? That was uh, recorded just two two days ago here in Sydney, Australia at Skepticon. That was a live podcast, too, and that was a, a lot of fun. Yeah. You you are still and it's and it's very good to to hear every single time that you still in very much of support of uh, European skepticism and, and and for world skepticism for that matter. Absolutely, uh, I think in the whole almost ten year run of the podcast, I've uh, had many promotions and interviews and uh, uh, advertising for podcasts all over the world, but many many from Europe and of course I regularly play uh, promotions for the ESP. Mm. Yes, and we thank you very much for that. And, and we do we, appreciate we, it a lot, yeah. And we do owe you. you you've been asking for uh, for a, a new radio spot from us for a while. Uh, we still owe you that. So, it, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get around to do it. 
Oh, that that's great because yeah, anything new I can get from anybody always helps. Great, and it's it's good because at the convention I was just uh, here in Sydney, Australia over the last couple of days. I had met lots of Skeptic Zone fans, which was fantastic, and it was interesting to hear how they came to listen to the show. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of them have come to listen to me by hearing about me from SGU, for example. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, I know that some ESP listeners find out about the show from the Skeptic Zone, and I think that's exactly. just a wonderful way to, to pass on the the knowledge. Richard, you mentioned the, the convention. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit what, what happened there and, you know, like this Bent Spoon Award and things like that? Yeah, it was uh, it was our annual convention here uh, in Australia for the Australian Skeptics. So we, this year we had a uh, professional uh, organiser look after it, which meant that a lot of the people like me could re- relax a little bit more. You know, they, other people worry about the logistics. But it was huge. It was uh, one of our, our biggest conventions, I think, in the 33 years of us having conventions. And we have our awards every year. We have uh, give out awards for people who have done good service to the skeptical community. But we also have our Bent Spoon Award. And this is the award that's given for uh, the most preposterous piece of paranormal or pseudoscientific piffle, in other words. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> really good. Yeah. In, in other words, uh, it's you know for, for silliness, for, for people who should know better. And this year, uh, the, the bent spoon was given to the National Institute of Complementary Medicine, which is based wow. at the University of Western Sydney. Wow. So we, we hope we were sending a very strong message by uh, awarding that. But people in the past, for example, who have won the award have been uh, a breatharian. Now, these are people who th- say you can live on, uh, you don't have to drink water or eat, you can just live on breathing air. And that's a, just a, a dangerous, absolutely dangerous. Do many nonsense. of them survive? <laughs> strangely, strangely, mostly do because they say uh, we don't have to eat, but we do eat occasionally because we like the flavour. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, oh yeah! yeah. <laughs> oh well, isn't that convenient, eh? <laughs> that's right. Uh, but like apart from that, we had wonderful uh, talks all, all the, the whole weekend. And I think it's a sign of a, a, a successful convention when the last session on Sunday is packed, yeah. which is a really oh, good wow. sign. Yeah. It is, yeah. Uh, we, we had a, a young lady talk to us, uh, Ruth Ellison, here in, in Australia, who was brought up in a religious cult. And her story about uh, you know leaving the cult and the shock to her... Uh, that the outside world was different and brought tears to everybody's eyes. So, yeah, it was a really good convention. Uh, We had Mm. various podcasts turn up and do live shows, including The Skeptic Zone. And now it's the, you know, the day after the convention, it's a bit strange because suddenly it's all quiet again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I went through that, too, after my tour. I just Mm -hmm. felt like for about a week, I felt like this blah. Yeah. You know what? I want to ask Richard, how many people attended? Uh I'm. I'd have to guesstimate. It was six or seven hundred, but I. I don't wow. know what the final figures are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh that's, wow, that's really great. It yeah. is. Yeah. That's a decent size. Yeah. I'm seeing well, the numbers go up, and all these conferences are all starting to rise a little bit. Yeah. Oh, we we had people like Captain Disillusion come over. So oh, that I was love good. him. Absolutely uh, Brit- love him. 
Brit Hermes gave a talk, although she's uh, she was going to be there live, but owing to morning sickness because she's she's a uh, newly oh, pregnant. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, there yeah, you go. She, uh, oh, she, I didn't know. There you go. She skyped in. So and everybody was completely happy with that because she was on the big screen live from Germany and she gave her talk and it was a fantastic talk because Brit Hermes is uh, uh, such an engaging speaker and uh, in fact there were so many things happened that we had concurrent sessions in other words in one room there was a talk and in the other room there might have been a live podcast but the rooms were full all the time so uh, I, I think it's a, it was a good thing to do to hire professional organisers. Uh, mm. because they, they put their own sort of spin on things, but it, it all worked pretty well. Mm, very good. Hey, I just saw a new citation for Brett's page, her Wikipedia page. Once this goes, I can cite it from there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's so uh-huh. much. There's so much to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> By the way, how's, how's GSOW going? Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I have news. <laughs> so I've got numbers. So... Anybody listening here knows that I am so enamored of Richard Saunders and the ESP. You guys have been uh-huh. amazing to the GSOW project. You, And I have numbers. So from the ESP, because I keep track of how many people come to GSOW, where, where they find us. And I've been keeping track since, oh my gosh, way back 2008 uh, when we started getting people on the group. And we have had eight editors come to GSOW specifically from the ESP. And yeah, one of them was Adam. And Adam has already written 33 Wikipedia pages, mostly all in Polish. And in the last 30 days, those 33 pages have created 20,247 views, which is a lot, you know, for Polish especially. And today, today, I have added a new editor who came to us from the ESP. He said he found it from via um, the SGU, and then he went to – that's his first dab at skepticism. Um, and then he went from there to – he found the ESP. So he – just last week, and he's joined. He's um, going to be a Czech editor, and his name is Pavel. And I do not want to try to pronounce his last name because I would only embarrass myself. But um, he is brand new to GSOW a week ago That's, because wow. of you guys. That's so, fantastic news. Yeah. And then I wanted to mention also that the Skeptic Zone has done its um, work as well. Just being on the Skeptic Zone for the last few years, they have given us 10 editors and those 10 editors some of them are um, very prolific like greg nielsen sharon romney uh, rob palmer bill hedge stuart jones so two of those people are australians and three of them are americans so he has quite a listener ship and one of them i just picked one person at random and rob palmer in the last 30 days his edits have brought in forty thousand three hundred and sixteen page views to wikipedia so they're getting work done because you guys were so freaking awesome to <laughs> you know give us some attention so your 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 show really helps um not only just in the segments you guys do in the interviews you do but we use you guys your we use the interviews you do as citations to improve wikipedia pages it's like uh, the GSOW project is is behind the scenes working to it's like a 
how do I say, it's like a big jigsaw puzzle. But what we've been kind of doing is we're, we're using all the different elements to put it together into, into one puzzle. It's, it's fascinating how it works. Yeah. And then, well, I, w- I, I was lucky enough uh, a couple of weeks ago, Susan, uh, I, I saw your talk live in Las Vegas at PSYCON, uh, the, uh, the convention there for the uh, Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. And uh, that was I could watch that talk all the time. In fact, uh, mm-hmm. gee, I wonder if we can pull some strings and look at the, what we can do for 2018 or 2019. Uh, if uh, Listeners, if you ever get a chance to see Susan Gerbeck give a talk about guerrilla skepticism, because she's got a, a wonderful presentation and she can show you how it really does make a difference. And when when she's done with the talk, the first thing you'll feel is that I want to join. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, I, I was in sales for many years, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But I those both the lectures that I did at um, the uh, European Skeptic Congress and the lecture I did at SciCon are, li- are available on the YouTube channel for the GSOW project, as well as the Susan Gerbic YouTube channel. So you can see them if you want. Um, I, I appreciate that, you guys. Uh, the tour did give us 17 new GSOW editors. Wow. Most of those 17. are non, non-English. You know, the, Of course, they speak English. But they're going to be editing in other languages, Polish, Bulgarian, Italian, uh, Czech. How many, uh, how many Italians have, have you managed to recruit? Uh, well, finally. let's see. One, two, three, four. I have four that have joined the team. And um, when I got off the stage in uh, Italy, it was interesting because, as you know, you were there, Andras. Yeah. I only got to say four comments. And yeah. it was translated into – and that lecture also, That I was on a panel. So I didn't get to do a whole presentation. So I got to do a panel. After I got done – I went out to the lobby, which is, you know, what I did. And I, I told Raffaella, who was the only Italian editor I had for a long time, and she was at the conference. I told her, okay, you're going to get hit with a lot of questions. So let's just stand right here or sit right here. And I went you, I'm going to, you know, shake their hand and say thank you and whatever they want to do. And then I'm going to hand them off to you because you'll be able to explain the project in Italian. And she's like, okay, I got this. We had 25 people run up to us. <laughs> and wanted to know more. And she was like, after they, after That's the amazing. flood of people kind of left, she says, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. <laughs> and that same thing happened at SciCon. Uh, you know, I, I have to have people around me to kind of handle the flood of people who come over. Some people are going to say, oh, thank you. That was really good, Susan. And then they move on. Some people go, oh, I have these questions about Wikipedia and how this works. And then some people say, I have to join the project. And you have a very short window of time when you have to, you know, you're like, okay, so I have to have people around me, my editors to just say, okay, here. Oh, nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Andras is going to handle that question. Okay. Nice to meet you. Jelena is going to handle that question. Okay. And you kind of just move them away so I can handle the rest Mm -hmm. from PsyCon. I got 16 editors. Wow. And so we have right now 77 people in training. That is amazing. And I have a, I have a team of That's amazing. I know, That's a full-time occupation. Well, I can keep up with it. No problem. Trust me. And then I have 133 people in the secret cabal right now. So we are, we've doubled in size like in the last month. Wow. Uh, Susan, wonderful. Susan, can I ask you to, to briefly mention the uh, interesting 
uh, sort of side effect or side project, uh, which all this international cooperation involves. Now, some years ago, I, I made a documentary called The Vaccination Chronicles, and Susan was very helpful uh, in getting together lots of people from around the world to do translations of it. And now yeah. this is continuing. Right. So we have a secret uh, group, and it's it's not really secret. Anybody could join it, but um, you have we just kind of keep it there to keep the noise down. We don't want trolls and people. We want people in the group who are serious about helping translating. And we did the Vaccination Chronicles, a wonderful video if you guys haven't seen it. And it's got captions uh, translated into many different languages. So we decided, I think the ESP was the one who mentioned, maybe we should do the Science Moms video. Mm, yeah. And yeah. so I said, well, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, because we interviewed Natalie. Mm. Yeah, you guys met, mm. you met them and you saw the video at QED, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. We, we had it at SciCon also. So what has happened since is I reopened that group again and I said, all right, you guys, who's interested in this? And one of my old GSOW editors, Doug Dean, went and translated, not translate, captioned the video in English. And then he took the transcripts and he's given it to the team and he says, all right, let's go. So what's going to happen is people are going to translate the Science Moms video into different languages and then they can re re-upload them and then we can have captions for that in different languages it's a way of spreading the the um the video further and i want to do others as well i want to actually make this like a, a continually project so you don't have to join the gsow project you just have to be able to translate from english into other languages and then we you know also it'd be nice if you can just transcribe english so if you just can handle english only you, you know, that would be a great help as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And since then, I need to mention, too, uh, Rob Palmer, um, the editor who came from Skeptic Zone, he was at SciCon and he was so excited about the Science Moms video that he's just released a Wikipedia page for Science Mom, the, the documentary. It went out uh, yesterday, I believe. So they now have a Wikipedia page for that video. And it's brand spanking new i mean it's still shiny and <laughs> you can find it so that's brand new so a lot of things happen when my editors attend conferences not only do i get editors but they're more inspired and they they yeah. go home and they they tend to do a lot more work on things that they've learned at that conference it's it's incredibly powerful to have my team at a conference well, um, unfortunately, we, we don't have much time um, left, so um, I'd like to thank both of you for joining us today. But just let me mention that we uh, earlier today we discussed what we'll, we're going to call this episode. And the title will be Superhero Superheroes of, of uh, Skepticism. And I, I was not absolutely sure, but now... Having talked to you guys, uh, you're certainly. I am. Yeah. I am absolutely convinced that this is the only title we can use for this episode. Oh, that is so sweet of you guys. We we. I, I'm inspired by you guys. Uh, you know, I have mm. to be funneled by your energy and your enthusiasm. I turn on the ESP. I listen to it every week, and I listen to the Skeptic Zone every week, and I am. In, I am kept motivated. And it's a mutual thing, and it's it. The same goes with with Richard and and the Skeptic Zone, and never miss the, it. With yeah, 
Exactly. And and we've mentioned uh, the Vaccination Chronicles. That is a, a brilliant piece of work. Um, everyone should see it on the globe. Yeah, we just need to translate <laughs> the, 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 the subtitles to all the languages out there. Right. And then continue inspiring each other and getting more people to join in and please you know reach out to me on facebook people that's the easiest place to get a hold of me and i i have lots of projects that i'm working on i i will use you in any way possible (laughs) if you you just raise your hand a little bit i will say all right we're working on something else here let's put you in that project all right let's we got a lot to do nice all right so um let me thank uh, thank you both again susan gerbeck and richard saunders it's been lovely to, to have you on again. Yeah. Uh, hope to have you back at some point. Thank you, and uh, warm congratulations for 100, and I look forward to 200. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. I, I, no pressure. Thank you so you much. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow, this has been quite a marathon. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic. It's And for those who made it to the end of this episode, I congratulate you. <laughs> <laughs> and we do admire your stamina. <laughs> but hope you really enjoyed it. Yeah. If you enjoyed it half as much as we did doing it, it's it's already worth it. Absolutely, yeah. But um, we'll keep doing these these interviews. We'll keep doing these episodes because the ESP is here to stay, folks. But uh, we we do appreciate your feedback, your help, anything that you can do to to keep us going. Uh, that would be very much appreciated. But f- mostly, please keep listening to us and spread the word. Keep keep listening and keep getting in touch. So so contact us uh, where uh, if you, if there's anything you think we should talk about anything we've missed any events we should put on our events page just just get in touch okay after many 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 years of saying that well okay no not many it's only two years but i finally learned our contact details so there they here they are guys um you can get in touch with us by emailing <laughs> us <laughs> on info at theesp.eu also twitter handle is uh, at espodcast underscore eu you can like us on facebook and if you go on our website you can complete the uh, form on there and get in touch and our website is the esp and just spread the word um and also if you get our podcast on itunes please leave us a review thank you yeah very good and if you want to know what's going on in europe you go to our web page and you go click on the events in europe and you will see everything that's going on and if you want us to go on for another 100 episodes you should go to uh, patreon.com slash the esp and pledge one euro or maybe two euros per show Uh, we would really appreciate that thank you very much or more you know, there's li- really no limit to be uh, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> there's no limit. There's no limit. You know, like no. the famous song of a nineteen hundreds go. All right. Um, yeah, I can I can second all that. Well, since it's been a long episode in its own, I think we should not um, uh, keep it keep it for too long. But let me say before we say goodbye that these two years. Producing a hundred episodes, it's been a, a lot of work, but I, I've I've really enjoyed it, and I'm I'm so happy that we started it two years ago, 
And I'm so happy to have you guys as as co-hosts. Oh, you're making me cry. I think that's yeah, but I do agree. I think it's great. La 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 la. And this is the champagne going up. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Yeah. If you can't have champagne now, when can you? Eh? <laughs> All right. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Here's for another hundred. Here's to another hundred and more. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks for joining me. And until next week, goodbye. Goodbye. See you again next week. Goodbye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe You're drinking to the skip no? What? You're drinking no? to You're drinking to the ESP, the European Skeptics your, Podcast. Your real ESP. You're drinking what? skeptics. What uh, oh hang on, hang on, cheers. Oh, Alright. So oh. Alright. Uh, please open it on there. Yet. So, <laughs> yeah, no, but so, I want so it, it to be like on this. the recording. Ah, the, the pop. The pop. So. Excelente. Ooh. Yeah. All right. You know what you're listening to? You're listening. What episode is to this? To the again? great, yeah. to the right. wonderful, the award-winning <laughs> ESP. Isn't that how you want this to go down? If you're not gonna... Okay, okay. Let's, <laughs> not let's, really, no. Let's try something else. Uh, just regular stuff? Is that what you're after? Ugh, how boring. Okay. Yeah.